Welcome to another podcast by Every Nation Brisbane. We're so glad you can join us here today. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at enbrisbane.org. Please enjoy the following message. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before his share is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Here ends this morning's reading. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this morning as we can come together as your children to hear from you. And so, Father, as we appear to hear from you, Lord, attune our hearts and our minds to your word. We welcome your Holy Spirit into this place. In Jesus' mighty and wonderful name, amen. Amen. Now, please forgive me if I... um, do not remember your names or um, anything like that. But I want to do something, okay? Okay, so on three, I want you to all to yell out your names to me, okay? Okay, on three, okay? Ready? Everyone say, say your name nice and loud, okay? One, two, three. Okay, I heard Jasmine there. Is there a Jasmine here? No? No? Okay, sorry. Sorry about that. Okay, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I bring greetings from our church in Logan. So good to be here today. They um. You know, they're excited that we are part of this together, right? Just because we're down in Logan, in the lovely, beautiful south side there, you know, we're one church family, okay? And so um, they, 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 they send their love, okay? And so I'm really happy to be with you here this morning. And so we're continuing our series this morning, Transformers. Everyone say Transformers. Okay, so have you ever been through... Um, something, and then thought, wow, that was a divine appointment, right? Maybe you struck up a a conversation with someone as you were waiting for something, right? Maybe you're waiting for a bus, or maybe you're waiting for your food, and you start a conversation with someone, and then you find out that they are struggling through um, something that you have recently walked through, right? And so in that moment, you provide some guidance, some support for them, and you become this unexpected source of help in that moment for them. But what about randomly coming across a, an old school friend, right, that you haven't seen in years, and all of a sudden you just bump into them in some random place, and as you're talking with them, you find out that they have some stuff, but your presence and your shared history with them 
It gives them some comfort. It gives them some encouragement in that very moment. Or maybe you're on the end of receiving um, a random act of kindness from someone, right? From someone that you totally didn't expect it from. And that act completely changes your perception, your idea about people. People will usually think of divine appointments as like coincidence or, oh yeah, it's just a random event. It just happened, right? Chance encounter, right? That's how they can explain it. But from the biblical perspective, divine appointments are moments of encounters in an individual's life that is specifically arranged by God. Amen? For a specific purpose that is often connected to His plan and to His His kingdom, the building of His kingdom. And so when we think of divine appointments, they may involve meeting with specific individuals. Um, It may be an opportunity to provide ministry to someone. Or it may be even an event that, that shapes and transforms you know, a, a person's life in accordance with God's plan. So there are many examples of you know, divine appointments in the Bible. In um, Genesis 41, we think of Joseph's encounter with Pharaoh, right? Joseph's interpretation of Pharaoh's dream led to his appointment as the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. And so the appointment allowed Joseph to save not only all of Egypt, but even his own family from this this ravaging uh, famine that had hit the land. In 1 Samuel 16, we read about David. David being appointed as king. Samuel, this prophet, he's guided to uh, Jesse's house, who's, who's uh, David's dad. And he's guided there to anoint David as the future king of Israel. Despite David being the youngest son, and despite, you know, everyone thought, nah, he doesn't look like a king. He doesn't, he doesn't act like a king. But he was specifically chosen for that very moment. What about in Acts 9? We probably heard from this a couple of weeks ago. Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus. And so Saul, who later is known as Paul, he has this life-transforming encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. This divine appointment transformed him from a, a persecutor of Christians to one of the most influential apostles, church planters, and missionaries. So the title of my message today is Embracing Divine Appointments. Everyone say Embracing Divine Appointments. So we're looking at Philip here. Okay, this character, Philip. Now remembering that Philip is first mentioned in Acts chapter 6. And he was one of the the seven uh, men that were chosen by the disciples to facilitate an issue that had happened at that time. And so the early church in Jerusalem was growing in numbers daily, right? There was this great, um, there was this great, uh, it was like a, an excitement in, in, in Jerusalem. And so 
with rapid growth that was coming, that was happening, issues began to flare up. And so the solution that the apostles came up with, the apostles were the, the original disciples of Jesus, right? And so the, the solution that these guys came up with, they said they told all the other disciples, okay, come together, all you guys come together, and then we want you to choose seven men from among yourselves, choose seven of you to be ministers for the widows, to deal with this issue. And so they were given specific responsibility of ministering to the widows. And there was a criteria to picking these seven, right? The criteria, the criteria was that they had to be of good reputation, they had to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and they had to be wise, they had to be filled with wisdom, right? And so seven of them were chosen from them. And it's also interesting that there's another person of significance that is mentioned here in the seven. Anyone remember who that is? Stephen was part of the seven as well. He was chosen from here. And Stephen has later become known as the, the first Christian martyr. So he was part of the seven as well. So after the martyrdom of, of Stephen, this signaled the start of the great persecution of the early church in Jerusalem. After, and this, and this caused the early church to, to like, um, to spread, to leave, to be scattered, right? Because of the martyrdom of Stephen, it was like, oh my gosh, this is not a safe place to be a Christian, right? And so they were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And it is here where we begin to see a more, see more evidence of Acts chapter 1 verse 8 beginning to come into fruition. And Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, and he says, wait here for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you, and then when, when it has come upon you, you are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so the, this ripple effect has begun. It's begun in Jerusalem. It's begun in Judea now about to hit Samaria. But if we're familiar with the, the history between the Jews and Samaritans, these groups of people do not get along with each other. It's like Queenslanders and New South Wales, right? No, I'm, I'm, I'm serious, okay? Any New South Wales fans in here? Oh, I'm in the wrong house, okay? Jesus loves you. Okay, so, but the Samaritans, the Samaritans were seen as like these these, these half-breeds, right? They were seen as, man, they aren't good enough by the Jews. That's how the Jews perceived them. That's how they saw them. Because when they were conquered by the Assyrians some 14, 1,500 years before Jesus, they, they intermarried with the, the, these foreigners, which resulted in this mixed population, right? And the Samaritans were, were they even established their own, their own practices, their own rituals, and they were very different from some of what the Jews believed in. And so one major difference that the, that the Jews um, considered was that uh, Jerusalem was the central place of worship. But the Samaritans, they regarded Mount Gerizim as the holiest site for religious rituals. You remember the the of um, the Samaritan woman, or the woman at the well. You remember that story, right? It's told in John chapter 4. 
And she says this to Jesus, the Samaritan woman. She says, our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you say that Jerusalem is the place where you are to worship. This is a divine appointment for the Samaritan woman. She's referring to a historical event that's spoken of in Deuteronomy 27, where God gave Moses instructions on how to, um, to for the ceremony of blessings and cursings. And so this ceremony would symbolize the renewal of Israel's covenant commitment to God. Where she is standing with Jesus that day is at Jacob's well. And it's this place in between, see, in the, in the south there, that's Mount Gerizim, and the highlighted in red, and then the top one, that's Mount Ebal. And so she's in the middle there, and that place, Shechem, that's where Sychar is. And that's where she's standing with Jesus. So that's why she's saying that, because there's some, there's some meaning, there's some purpose for her to be talking about right where she is right there. There's this connection the spiritual connection, this cultural connection for her about that place. That's why she says, our fathers worship on this mountain. So there's this historical, spiritual connection for the Samaritans in that place. You know, even in this divine appointment with the Samaritan woman, hundreds, even probably even thousands received salvation because of the testimony of this woman. Because when she encountered Jesus the Messiah, she went back and told everybody about who she had just met. And so here in Acts chapter 8, we're beginning to see the church expanding. It's beginning to expand to the Samaritans. And it's Philip who plays this major role in the message going to Samaria. So in Acts chapter 8, Verses 4 to 5. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Now think about this. People are being persecuted, right? And what they do is that they move to another city. They move to another town and they continue to preach the gospel there. What do we do when we get persecuted? What do we do when persecution comes to us, hits us? Do we run and hide? Or do we just blend in with everyone else? Do we continue to tell people about Christ? Wherever we go, do we continue to share about what God is doing in our lives? Philip went to Samaria and continued to preach the gospel there. And this is a good reminder for us, right? What will our response be when, when persecution comes to us? Because we've got to respond somehow. We've got to do something. Even doing nothing is saying something, right? In verse 6, And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in the city. So here in Samaria, people are excited. 
people are, are, are receiving the message that Philip is preaching about. There is this hunger for what Philip is preaching about. You know, it's interesting also that, that Philip is, I think, the first person outside of the apostles to be performing miracles. Right? Because usually the miracles were only um, sort of identified with the original apostles. But here we read about Philip doing this. How does a guy that was initially chosen to do a specific task of just ministering to widows, and is now he's preaching the gospel, and now he's delivering people, now he's healing people, Signs and wonders are following him. Now, all happening through him. What happened to him? How did he get here? Remembering back in Acts chapter 6. The criteria was finding seven men that were of good reputation. How are we living our life? What does our words, what does, do they line up with our, line up to God's word about how Jesus walked on this earth. Are we people of good reputation? Am I a person filled with the Holy Spirit? Am I a person filled with wisdom? Philip lived in such a way that his, his life reflected his relationship with Jesus. His character reflected the transformation in his heart. His surrender echoed the power of the Holy Spirit that was working in him. Everything about Philip pointed to Jesus. How he lived his life. As Philip was faithful with the little, he was entrusted with more. He was entrusted with to do greater things, right? That's what Jesus, you know, said to his disciples, mate, right? He said, greater things you will do, right? Divine appointments align with, with God's grand design. God's grand design. And God's grand design is to reconnect people back to him. Amen? Are we aware of the people and the opportunities that God is placing around us? These divine appointments that God is trying to show us, is giving us to, hey, I'm here. There may be divine appointments that will unlock something in us. Or maybe those divine appointments will unlock something with the people that you hang out with, right? The things that, will, that God wants to do in and through our hearts, our minds, and they realign us with God's grand design. These are like clues that God is providing for us to see if we'll trust Him, to see if we will believe Him, to see if we will walk with Him daily. Now, this is the first thing I want us to see here. Number one, divine appointments align with God's grand design. God's grand design. In Acts 8, 26 to 28, 
Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he arose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And so here in, in verse 26, we see the angel of the Lord directing Philip to go to a specific place. This divine leading ensures that, that Philip's actions were in alignment, were in harmony with God's greater plan. Okay? So one of my favorite passages is, is Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6. Right? He's trusting the Lord with all your heart. Be not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. You know, one, one part that I struggle with in that verse is that He will make straight your paths. You know, when we, when we trust in God's leading, He makes straight our paths. And I think sometimes what I think is straight is not necessarily straight to God. Right? You know that? Yeah? What is straight to God, this is our straight. Right? But if we've trusted God, if we have acknowledged Him, then when He makes straight our paths, we will trust Him. Right? We will trust His process. We will trust his leading. We will trust his counsel. We will trust his provision. We will trust in how he wants to do it. Right? Because I know at times when, when it's not the way that I think it is, then I'm like kicking and screaming like, nah, this isn't the way it's supposed to be, God. Maybe God sees something in my heart that needs to change. Right? You know, something else that caught my eye in this passage was that this is a desert place. Everyone say, this is a desert place. You know, sometimes God's leadership in our lives um, often challenges, you know, our human logic, right? It will sometimes go against what we would normally do and what we normally want to do. God had something for Philip in the desert, but it took faith for Philip to go to the desert. Think about what was happening in Samaria, right? There's a great hunger from people for the message, right? There are these great miracles happening. All these great things are happening. And then he's told to go to this desert place. He's told to leave this in the midst of, of the good times, God asked Philip to rise up and go to this specific place, to this desert place. Sometimes God will have divine appointments for us, even in the desert places. Desert places, what do they look like? You may have a friend that doesn't want to come into church, doesn't want to come to life group, doesn't want to hang out with your Christian friends. 
So you got to go to that desert place. You got to go into there, there where they're at. Are you willing to go there? Or are we going to stay and be comfortable? Are we going to stay and, no, I like my little holy island. Are we going to step out and go to that desert place to reach the one? Because sometimes we can be so drawn to crowds, so drawn to the big flashy things that are happening, right? Like, guys, you know, we, we like our new flashy toys, right? Right? They look so good, you know, but then after three weeks, old, right? We want something new, something new, shinier, right? In those desert places, things may not look pretty. In those desert places, things may not feel nice. But if God is with you and God is calling you into that space, be a good idea to go because God wants to use you. He wants to speak to that person through you. Amen? So Philip is prompted to go. Prompted by God to go. And God guides him. He obeys. Philip obeys. Divine appointments align with God's grand design. Philip was being led away from the crowds to reach the one in the desert. So this Ethiopian man, right? He's a, he's a servant of the queen of Ethiopia. He has status. He has a position. He's a man of influence, right? So he had gone to Jerusalem for something. Perhaps to experience God. And maybe he didn't find what he was looking for. And so he's in his chariot, and he's reading from the scroll of Isaiah. And as he's reading, his heart is longing to know this God who wrote this scroll. There are people like this Ethiopian that are around us today. That are in our communities that are in our workplaces, that are in our schools, that are looking for something. They may or may not be reading the Bible, but they're searching for something. They, all they know is that there's this, there's, this, there's this gap in their heart. All they know is that there's something missing in me, and I need to find what it is. So they're trying things. They're trying different things, relationships, substances, whatever. They're just trying stuff to, to fill this void in their heart. They're alone. Maybe we could be that divine appointment for someone to encounter the living Jesus. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's you that God is wanting to lead, to guide to that desert place, to reach that one. We could be that connection for them to connect back with God in a real and transformative way. Divine appointments align with God's grand design. Number two, divine appointments proclaim Jesus. 
Acts 8, 30 to 31. So Philip ran to him. Everyone say, ran to him. And he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Philip jumps at the opportunity to declare Jesus from the gospel, right? How many of us would jump at the opportunity to share Jesus with someone? How many of us would run at the opportunity to share Jesus with someone, right? And as he's speaking to this eunuch, he's beginning in Isaiah 53, because that's where he's at. He hears him reading from there. And so he hears him, oh my gosh, this guy's reading from Isaiah. And straight away, Philip knows, okay, I'm going to show you where Jesus is. And he walks him through, showing him Jesus in in that scripture, in that passage. And he probably shows him throughout the, 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 the Old Testament. He proclaims Jesus to him. You know, in John 5.39, Jesus says, The scriptures bear witness about me. Right? That's what Jesus says about the word. They point to him. They talk about him. The Ethiopian, he had an earnest desire to understand the scripture that he was reading. And Philip portrays this really important skill. Something that I think we, we need to be reminded of. That, you know, when we're given an opportunity to, to share, that we need to ask questions, right? It's good to ask questions, right? And listen carefully to their responses. Listen to the dialogue between Philip and this uh, Ethiopian. Do you understand what you're reading? That's his question to him. And then the Ethiopian's response is, how can I understand unless someone guides me? Sometimes we can be so eager to, to, to share the gospel that we'll just blurt out, you know, that we get with this person. And that can sometimes leave a, a sour taste in some people's mouth, right? If they haven't asked, if they haven't asked for it, and you've just, on them about it, Right? What does that say? Well, this person doesn't really care about me. He just wants to do his thing. But Jesus, he lovingly cared for people. He asked questions of them, right? And here, Philip asks a question. There's an opportunity for us to to build common ground with people, right? By getting to know them through building relationally with them. You know, and then when the opportunity arises, we share the gospel with them, right? Build relationally with them. Divine appointments proclaim Jesus. Now, I want us to to think about the ripple effect of this moment with the Ethiopian. Because he, he accepts the message of Jesus. And then a little bit later in verse 36, they come across water and he says, why don't we get baptized? There's some water. Why don't you baptize me? Water baptism is a public declaration that he is a follower of Jesus. 
So this is in him. He's, he's hungry for this, right? Maybe, maybe in, in Philip's, you know, breaking down of the gospel, maybe he mentioned that, you know, about the importance of, of baptism. And so when he sees this water, he's like, yo, there's some water. Why not baptize me now? And so now you have the Ethiopian who's a carrier of the gospel. He is a carrier of the message of Jesus. And he's going back to his nation of Ethiopia. He's taking this message of Jesus back to where he came from. Remember Jesus' words, right? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Ethiopia is not the ends of the earth, but it's a real fair distance from Jerusalem. So it's spreading, right? Philip was part of this movement. This Ethiopian eunuch, he becomes part of this movement. And we are part of this movement as well. We are part of what God has called us into this world. To go and make disciples, teaching them and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we have been called to do. If, if, we, if you identify yourself as a follower of Jesus, that's your job. That's your job description. That's what you're called to do. That's what we're called to do. Divine appointments serve as these powerful reminders of God's active presence in our lives. It teaches us to recognize every encounter, every, every moment, every situation, that it may hold a greater a greater purpose beyond what we can just see on the outside of a person, right? But that God may be wanting to do something in that person's heart. And we don't see that. But if we hear God prompting us by the leading of His Holy Spirit, hey, talk to this person. Hey, buy this person coffee. Hey, give this person a call. Maybe God is leading you to that one. Maybe God is leading you to that person teaches us to recognize every moment of our lives, to see it that God may be leading us. And don't just take stuff for face value. Don't just look at someone and think, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with that person. Because God will say to you, son, Henry, there's something wrong with you, but I still love you, right? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, Lord. But right, Let's see what God is wanting to do in and through us. Whether we're in a crowd of people or in a desert place with one person, God's presence is always with us. So here's some final things, right? We're about to come to the end. Thank you, Jesus. I've had enough of listening to this guy. Okay, so here's a couple of takeaways, okay? Number one, seek God's guidance. Seek God's guidance. Just as God guided Philip in Acts 8, seek God's guidance through prayer, through meditating on His Word, and listening to the inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. Right? Invite God into, into our daily lives. 
right? Invite God into the daily decisions that we got to make, into the daily interactions that we will have with the people around us, right? Invite God into those. Acknowledge His Spirit, His presence that is with us wherever we go. Amen? Number two is trust God's timing. Trust God's timing. Divine appointments may not always align with our schedules or our preferences. It may be really inconvenient at times. But learn to trust God's perfect timing. Understanding that He knows, He knows when and how to bring meaningful encounters into our life. Number three, embrace unexpected opportunities. Embrace unexpected opportunities. Divine appointments often challenge our our comfort zones, right? They will make us feel, oh, I don't know if this feels right. And in those times, it will require us to take a step of faith, right? Don't shy away from unexpected opportunities to serve. Don't shy away from unexpected opportunities to to help someone. Don't shy away from unexpected opportunities to connect with someone. You may not feel like it, but when you sense in your heart, oh, I need to call this person. I don't know why. I'm really tired. I'm hungry. I'm usually hungry all evening. And so like, you know, oh God, why are you telling me to call this person right now? Right? Don't shy away from those opportunities. Embrace the divine appointments that come our way. Amen? Remember, God's plans are often beyond our understanding, but they are always filled with purpose, meaning, and His good and perfect will. Amen? Let us pray. Father, we come before you this morning with grateful hearts. We thank you for the divine appointments in our lives that reveal your purpose and your presence. Thank you that you are always with us wherever we may go. Thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, that through His sacrifice, we are offered a way back to reconnect with you, our Heavenly Father. Thank you that He took our place. Thank you that He was raised back to life. Thank you that He made a way. Thank you for your great plan, Father. Help us. Help us be more aware of your leading, 
trusting your guidance, of trusting your timing, and trusting who you lead us to, sharing your love of those that we will meet on this journey. Remind us of your faithfulness. Remind us in those moments where we may feel uncertain, where we may feel a sense of doubt, where we may feel a sense of fear. Remind us of your great love for us. Remind us that you have each and every one of us in the palm of your hand. May your Holy Spirit bring a great sense of peace and comfort in knowing that you are with us, that you are guiding us, and that you are doing your Father, we commit our lives to you afresh this morning. Asking for your guidance. Asking for your wisdom. As we go to people. As we share the gospel. As we walk alongside people. Grant us the opportunities. Grant us the right words of God to speak in those moments glory to your name through the divine appointments that you would have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's message brought to you by Every Nation Brisbane. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at ianbrisbane.org. Thank you for listening. God bless.